0: Appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Um, yeah, no problem. I know you're a, a busy guy, and uh, certainly things are, are uh, a lot busier now that you're back uh, back at the school. And uh, yeah, there
1: about five months where I wasn't busy at all. But yeah, I bet it feels things good to change a little bit now.
0: Yeah, I bet it feels good to kind of get back to the a little bit of a routine. I would say. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, well, I'll get right into it. I uh, like I said, thank you for for taking the time to chat with me. Um, we are kind of experiencing a lot of different things and, um, I have a lot of kind of interesting questions, coaching questions. Uh, I I certainly want to touch a little bit on what you're dealing with, um, as far as everything going on with, uh, with COVID-19, we won't delve too much into it, but, um, I kind of want to start, uh, more, um, back kind of in your, um, childhood days, um, I take it you were an, uh, involved in a lot of different activities. Were there any um, specific activities that were your favorite or um, were you kind of one to try anything and everything?
1: Um, I guess from an early age, uh, when I look back at, I guess, when my parents pull out you know, the old videos from when I was a kid, I always had a basketball in my hand. And when I was old enough to be able to shoot in the little tight suit, um, I was getting shots up and my dad... He's been, I mean, he was an avid basketball player his entire life until about a couple of years back, but he played, you know, daily at the Y and on the Wednesday night leagues. And he always had me around basketball and brought me to his games. Uh, my uncle Corey um, played hoops out of the University of Mary. So when I was even in, in diapers still, my parents were taking me to games out of the University of Mary and constantly in the gym. So I think basketball is definitely the first thing that I latched on to. Um, and then shortly thereafter, yeah, it was pretty much any way that I could stay active, be outside playing football. Um, I didn't care if it was frisbee golf, if it was golf, if it was hacky sack, uh, if it was baseball—you name it. You know, we were outside playing all the time and being active and playing different sports. But basketball is definitely has always been the number one.
0: Sure, were you were you a, a uh, what kind of participant were you? Were you the the kid that was vocal and and very um, outspoken, or were you? you know being young were you more quiet or what what kind of um you know what kind of jordan did a lot of people see from the sidelines um i think
1: when it comes to like playground sports i was probably a lot more vocal and was someone that you know was leading the charge and making you know i was the one making the phone calls and starting the games and picking the teams and and all that sort of stuff Uh, but when it came to actually actual organized sports when i started to get serious and you know, you start playing on traveling teams, you start playing the midget football and you start doing those sort of things. I think I was always more of a lead by example guy. Sure. Uh, I think I would uh, I was always someone that coming into any game, you could ask any team that I've ever had. I've always been someone that um, and it's changed a little bit more recently. But most of my life, I've been someone that I look at as that, you know, we're going to have a hard time beating these guys. That kind of thing where sure. you stay locked in because I don't know if we're going to be able to touch these guys. So I think that's, you know, kind of how I was raised is to kind of keep your nose to the grindstone and you always got to work hard. You got to outwork opponents. You know, through through middle school and high school, I think that's kind of how I was coached to always give the opponent and everybody that you're playing respect because uh, you're going to have to play well and as well as you can and um, play like you have something to prove to to be successful. So I'd say that's kind of what you'd see, someone that led more by example. And um, I think I was a pretty coachable kid and someone that – took well the coaching and strong leadership and, uh, but I'd say I have definitely more lead by example than anything.
0: When, when you're that young, how do your peers, um, take your approach to things? Was, did you find that your, uh, teammates were a little bit apprehensive because of being, you know, it, when you're young, there's so many different levels to things. And I, I certainly had teammates that were more outspoken and I appreciated that, but I couldn't speak for. Uh, might you know the next teammate if if he necessarily he or she you know necessarily gravitated toward that type of um do you have any interpretation of how others might have you know approached approached you when it came to your um, participating
1: i you know i i uh growing up we lived in i went to three different elementary schools uh, i went to horizon the north side middle school i went to the then i went to the south side high school i was someone that I had a lot of different friends across town and I, and I had a lot of different experiences with, you know, different levels of you know socioeconomic status and different levels and a lot of different friends. So I think my experience uh, throughout my early stages of life and throughout elementary school really kind of helped define my character and help <clears throat> kind of lead me to the type of athlete that I became because uh, when you're around so many different types of people and so many different, um, you know levels of things that you see I think it helps kind of round you out as a person and, I, and, I'm, and I'm grateful for some of those opportunities that I had although at the time I wasn't happy about bouncing all over the city uh, I think now when I reflect on it and look back on it I think it really helped define my character and helped define me as an athlete uh, but I think from the start I was always someone that it was I had several different friends that took it as serious as me so it was sure. easy to um, and, and Shoot, helps. I still remember all their phone numbers because back in the day you actually had to no know phone numbers to <laughs> you search your contacts. Yeah. Uh, I had several friends that it was every night, you know, 5 to 9 o'clock, you're at the Y, you're playing, you're shooting hoops, you're shooting around, you're playing pig, you're playing lightning. Um, so I had a, a good group of guys that, e- even as early as 4th and 5th grade, that we'd meet at the Y and we'd play for hours. And I think a lot of, like, the... The people that I was around in elementary school knew how serious I took it already back then, and knew how much time I put into it. So I never really got any apprehension. I don't think I ever got any pushback um, from my teammates. Uh, I, I don't know if I went about it the right way or why I didn't have any of that, but I didn't. I honestly didn't see a whole lot of that apprehension. Sure. Um, other than other than maybe some competitive spirits, where you know you see someone not liking maybe some success you're having or being able to come at you in a certain way to practice because you're trying to prove yourself and establish, you know, kind of your standing. <laughs>
0: right. If that yeah. makes any sense. No, no, then that makes yeah. that makes a lot of sense. And yeah. when, you're, when you were, you know, involving yourself in, in these different activities, what part of it drove your competitive nature? Was it the aspect of just the, you know, going out and trying to win whatever it was? Or were you... Um, maybe it was a combination where you trying to you know obviously win, but then measuring yourself against you know other athletes or what kind of drove that competitive spirit in you.
1: Yeah, that's a fantastic question. Uh, I, I honestly don't really know what it was in particular. It's something that I think it was ingrained in me, and as a as a kid, that um, I wanted to win in whatever it was that I did, and uh, to the point where in you know, elementary school, up and through high school, up until I still have. You know, times where when I lose, I'm, I can be a sore loser. Uh, sure. um, I can be someone, <laughs> I, and I've obviously gotten through that. But when I was a kid, I would take losses hard. Um, I'd be someone that would be angry after games and very emotional. Um, I was someone that definitely my mom and dad, and coaches, and people I was around. Uh, I remember distinctly I was in fifth grade playing traveling hoops. We were in Minot and playing a traveling tournament. I was playing. Uh, upper grade with a bunch of guys from Bismarck here and uh, a guy by the name of Jesse Newsma one of my I mean he was a, a, a definitely a leader for me he grabbed me after a game because I was angry and I was punching stuff and throwing stuff around he grabbed me and he pulled me up and I'll never forget that he pulls me up to like the third floor in a, in a hotel and we walked back and forth in the hallway back and forth back and forth and he just you know he talked to me about how you can't handle yourself like that and when you're throwing stuff and acting like that how oh, it affects your teammates and this was coming from a sixth grader like i remember he's a year older than me and someone i looked up to so it was kind of a cool moment for me to look back and say holy smokes for him to take the time and and do that kind of stuff means that he cares and he he appreciates me as a teammate and all those sort of things so i i don't really know exactly what it stemmed from but from the start i was someone that was competitive and it didn't matter you know what i was doing if it was playing two on two in the backyard if it was uh, like i said playing frisbee golf if you're I, i didn't care what it was if it was third grade and we were doing times tables. I wanted to be the first one to finish the times table and run the sheet up to the teacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it was something that was just always kind of grand in me.
0: It, and it's interesting, you know, there's, sports is such an interesting dynamic and there are uh, certain situations where I can even remember, I, I had a, uh, an assistant coach pull me aside after a game, uh, didn't play well. Um, and he, he probably the, one of the best pieces of advice that I ever got and I took it with me as I got older and and uh continued to play at you know better competition levels was you have to have short-term memory and you know because he said if you if you t- let one mistake uh get to you 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 know that more than likely will turn into two then to three then to four and we have no option but to take you out and you know he said but you're not helping this team if you're you know so he he tried to relate it in a way that uh to get the best version of yourself you got to go out and you know leave it out there you're going to make mistakes but learn from them and move on to the next play and I think that is such an interesting thing and I had teammates that necessarily didn't need that type of uh you know coaching and um advice they just had a way to work through it so i think it's interesting when you especially when you're young there's there's so many um you know when you're young everything seems more amplified and you know the world might seem like it's crashing around you when really uh things are are kind of um not as you know uh bad as they seem so obviously you were you know highly active and doing your thing were there anybody um any particular athletes in the professional world that you looked up to and and um, individuals that, you know, part of their personality you found really intriguing and now you maybe emulate in, in some way today?
1: Yeah, um, I guess going back to what you said about having short-term memory, I, 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 it's something that, you know, I'm, I'm sure we're going to get into, you know, my, my program at Bismarck High and the things mm-hmm. that we're doing now. It's so much easier said than done. And I think you have to have a level of confidence and a level of skill to have like, real short-term memory. Because when I even break down the things that I do, like, I have much better short-term memory in basketball than I do in golf. Oh, sure. You know, when I, when I hit a bad shot in golf, it'll bug me five holes later. If I <laughs> miss a shot in basketball, I could care less because I'm going to shoot 10 more. And you can you can talk to anybody that I play golf with or I play with played hoops with in the last 31 years will tell you, yeah, he's got about as short a term of memory as he, he could possibly have in basketball. But when it comes to different sports, might not be because maybe I'm not as good at it, you know? Yeah. And, and also, I think a major part of it is your conditioning and how you are raised, how you were coached. Uh, so many coaches and and young um, mentors what I think what they want to do is they want to tell you to have a short-term memory and forget about the bad shot but yet they want to scream at you every time you take a shot that isn't exactly what they had drawn up or exactly what they had seen on Mm -hmm. the NBA the night before and the play they drew up you know so I (laughs) I, I think a, a major part of it is kids aren't allowed to really be that creative anymore and they have to play in these structured environments where they're taught such specific things at certain ages and they're taught exactly rather than just being able to go out and be creative and i think there's so much to the creativity you can learn at a young age on the playground and everything seems so structured not all trust me not all but you see so many things that are so structured now where you're you get some of that creativity taken away so then you tell them to have a short-term memory but in reality you're telling them to have and remember every single little set thing that you said you know so i i i think it's a really interesting topic that i'm sure we could sit and talk about for an hour Mm -hmm. um but when thinking about uh, athletes I looked up to, I mean, I, if you, my room growing up was 99 percent Michael Jordan. I mean, yeah. my whole room was <laughs> decked out in MJ. Had every MJ card, jersey, T-shirt, Chicago Bulls. I'm still a Chicago Bulls fan to this day. So definitely, you know, I was 10 years old when the Bulls won their third title. I remember sprinting around the house, screaming up top <laughs> my lungs. One of my first real basketball memories. Um, like real real ones that I remember vividly was him hitting that shot um, another funny memory I have was when and I just told my dad this pretty recently uh, we were at a boat show at the Civic Center in town here and I remember just you know because things you remember when you're a kid they're all super emotional things They're oh, usually of
0: course. and for me you know most <laughs> of them are very
1: negative thoughts because they're memories of like Gary Anderson missing the field goal in 98 yeah. or um you know, there are a lot of them are Vikings-based. I remember Antonio Freeman catching a ball on Monday night against the Vikings and just going nuts in the basement. You know, those
0: are yeah. more of them. But <laughs> this one in particular, I was mad at my parents and acting like a pouty little baby when I was, I mean, what, I would have been six or seven because MJ came back wearing number 45 that year that he oh, came back from baseball. Yep. And it was on a Sunday afternoon <laughs> or Saturday afternoon. I know it was on the weekend.
1: And we were at a boat show, and I remember I was so mad at my parents because I didn't get to see MJ's first game back. On, I'm sure it was on WGN Channel 10 at the time because <laughs> I was watching the Bulls every night. But um, definitely the way Jordan played and, you know, growing up in the era where the Bulls were the team, he was the guy, uh, someone that obviously I don't think of myself in that light, but something that his drive, his determination, his greatest his passion, the way he approached every game uh, is something that, was important to me and i i I would assume it was a part of you know what led to my drive to first of all loving basketball second of all just the the passionate energy that i put into it
0: there was a and i'm sure you've seen this jordan there was a a a snippet from frank martin who i believe now is um he was at south carolina but now he's or no, he is at South Carolina. He was He's at South uh, yep. Yeah, he was, at, he was uh, at Kansas State. Kansas State. Yeah. So, yep. and I and I'm sure um, coaches out there that are that listen to this or anybody, you, they may have seen it, but I I think it was such a great clip, and I've showed it to um, athletes when I've had an opportunity to speak, and and um, but he he made a great point of you know parental involvement and and dealing with um, you know being the parent and and watching your child and the coaches. And uh, I thought he put it best. He said, "You know, my 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 sons, um, you know, if they have a, a, a particular complaint or concern, um, and they come to me with it, he says I send them right back um, to their coach because he said right. I I need them to know that um, I'm I'm your parent and I will support you, but I, you need to go approach your coach with your concerns and and that and like you said, Jordan." Um, how how are they going to show to their coach um, if they believe that they need more playing time or deserve more playing time? How are they going to go out and prove it? Um, for, so for anybody that hasn't seen it, I, I strongly suggest um, looking up the Frank Martin um, press conference that he gave because it was it hit on a lot of different levels. And I think if you're a parent that um, if you know weren't maybe heavily involved in athletics, but you've got a son or daughter that's um you know getting uh they involved um i think it's a great perspective because it really ties in the idea that you know there are a lot of reasons to complain but complaining i've never seen it get anybody uh too far and eventually you've got to put in the work and show that um if you if you feel like you deserve to be put in in a situation to um showcase what you have you've, you, you know you've got to go out and and that's where practices and all those different things um play a part jordan as as i, I kind of want to move into your um talk a little bit more about you um in terms of your high school uh experiences and um i take it that you know basketball once you moved into your high school years was your main focus were you participating in anything else when you when you got into high school
1: Yep, I played uh, um, football through high school. Okay, yeah, I played golf. I played golf a little bit uh, through my sophomore year of high school, but that was about it. So football and basketball.
0: Did you ever get burned out?
1: Um, you know, I never had any of those issues. I I think being a multi-sport kid and then also having a balance. I, I I golfed a lot in the summer too, and had you know a good group of, of friends that I hung out with, and I was never you know really pushed by my parents to, to specialize and to, to do all these different, you know, specific drills and to get in with different trainers that you got to do this, this amount of time, it more just kind of happened naturally. And my love for the game happened naturally. Um, so I don't think that I ever really experienced that. I think it definitely helped playing multiple sports though, uh, that I honestly, and I, and I tell my kids this to this day, I'm going in my senior year of basketball. I had already decided I was going to be playing college basketball. I hadn't signed yet. But, I mean, basketball was my my life. You know, that was by far my number one sport from when I was a young kid. Everyone knew it. Football was not my main sport. And headed into my senior year, I didn't touch a basketball from August until November when the season started. I didn't even touch one. And it was, I think part of it was probably just I was so invested in my teammates and my team that when my coach said, you better not be playing basketball, where most kids that are basketball first kids are like, okay, coach. And they're still finding ways to get shots up. I was invested in football, and I think playing multiple sports like that helps reduce that, and it helps um, to avoid some of that stuff. So, I, I think that was a-, a major part of why I never felt it. But I, man, when you when you love something it, it, as much as I love basketball, or when you're that passionate about something and that serious about getting better at something, I don't think. You know, I think the more more you see now, especially at that age, you see so many overuse injuries. Oh, man. You see the the, the, the messed up backs and the hurt knees and the ankles and the, you know, I, I just the, – the overuse injuries is what worries me more than anything because I think a lot of our kids, you know, by the time they get to us are mentally strong enough to handle, you know, the the, the mental grind that it takes. Uh, but, gosh, you just see so many overuse injuries now, and that's what – you know, I've been very thankful that Sanford has come in and done some work with our kids now to where uh, they do a lot of stretching and band work and they do a lot of uh, lightweight, high reps. Uh, they do things after practice. You know, there's foam rollers and there's ice and there's so many different ways that you can recover now that I think it's helped a lot. And I definitely have seen in the last few years our recovery times getting much better. But at the time, uh, as far as mental burnout, no, uh, some physical burnout, of course, you know, you get beat up, you go through the grand of a football season. And if you know anything about Bismarck High's football program, uh,
0: it's pretty we're,
1: <laughs> we're pretty decent. You know, we're yeah. always one of the best teams in the state and what it, I don't, I don't even want to know what the staff, like 12 or 13 Dakota bowls in the last 25 years and winning six of them, whatever it happens to be. And coach Gibson and his staff demand a lot out of you as a player. And uh, it was, it was tough for me even to get into the basketball mode because you just, spend so much time, and see, there's so much emotion that gets put into a football team, and it's all about, you know, you just feel like you're going through the wars and the grind every day, that it's tough to make that change. So I I actually had a hard time, and I understand why some of our kids have a hard time making that transition, because it isn't easy.
0: You know, taking, uh, kind of, you know, comparing yourself um, from when you were in high school, um, what's different about the athlete then that you, you know, yourself and, and your peers versus the the athletes that you see in today's world. I from my from my perspective, um, to, to me, I it seems like today's athlete is far more and you can correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong Jordan, but more explosive. And and maybe just because I was younger and I maybe didn't take in everything my surroundings as well, but I just um, and social media kind of maybe highlights this to some degree, but how would you compare you know the athletes that you faced i mean your in your days in school to what you see now um you know out on the court or the field or wherever it may be
1: man uh, you know i you know i graduated in seven so it's not like you know i was playing before that there were actually legit weight rooms that you could go in and and, and grind and i i I don't know if i see a, a a lot more explosive athletes than i did you know 13 14 years ago there were some incredible athletes Um, That I played against, and man, I I like that. I I appreciate that you're saying something positive about our kids today because I just absolutely think our kids do such a good job, like handling all the different stresses and the different pressures and dealing with the different types of social media. Um, And you hear so much, so many people, oh, kids nowadays, and kids nowadays. I mean, I just want to tell those people to shut up because it's like (laughs) uh, we have fantastic kids that get it and they want to work and and they can't get in the gym enough. Um, like, at my first open gym this morning, uh, and we can't do anything, so I just open up the gym and let the kids shoot and sit there and sip coffee. Um, but Trace and Eagle Staff, uh, kid who was an all-conference kid for me this year as a sophomore, coming back as a junior, um, he has an offer from Mary. Uh, he's going to, in my opinion, going to get a lot more offers. He could been bugging he was bugging me to get in the gym on sunday he wants to go if it were up to him it'd be seven days a week at five o'clock in the morning we go for three hours yeah. and, and, and he's pushing himself and he doesn't make the shots he's supposed to he's running sprints uh i wake up this morning at five forty-five to get to the gym by six fifteen. and i had a text from him at five twenty-five. are you here yet he was an hour early for open gym
0: he's ready hoping real, yeah. that
1: somebody walks in the gym so he can sneak in the gym before i get there like they you know that it's just a it's 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 a something that is not in the media portrayed correctly because our kids get it and they want to play and they want to get better and and they're not you know just doing the going to go to the gym for an hour with my trainer and go home and play video games like these kids want to get better and they want to and they want to be around their teammates so I you know I, I I'll get up my soapbox but I love our kids nowadays but yeah um, compared to when I was in high school I I think we were. we were more just getting together and playing like we were going up and down we were playing five on five it was more just a general you're getting together a couple times a week and you're playing you're going outside you're meeting at the outdoor courts. you're doing things like that even when i was in high school more so than now like these kids and part of it is because they want you know they want the footwork and they want the ball handling and and we're in order to not fall behind you need to offer some of that to these kids because they need to you know, no different ways to get to the basket and to be aggressive and to be, um, but at the same time being able to find that balance with these kids because you got to let them play and let them and let them get after it too. So I think when I was coming through, it was more just in the off season you're you're playing, you're getting together a couple times a week. Most of the stuff you're doing is on your own or with a partner at the Y. Where now it's a little bit more organized, it's a little bit more you know led by coaches and led by um, you know
0: trainers and things of that nature. So that would be uh, one of the differences I see. Sure, and you know, so you know, you grew up in Bismarck. Um, did you you've always lived in Bismarck? Correct. You never. Yep. Okay. So, for, just comparing for for those listening, you know, I grew up in a much smaller town. Uh, about at the time, probably seven hundred fifty people, and you know, I was I kind of had the same. Um, and I, and I apologize. I, I forget his name, but the the gentleman you just spoke of, um wanting to be at the gym an hour early. Um, you know, it was so interesting growing up in a small town. Um, I had great coaches, uh, great assistant coaches. Um, but there was always kind of this, um, and, and I'm kind of just going off of, of wanting to, uh, being in the gym was the struggle with allowing kids in. We had open gyms, but I was, I was much like your, uh, your, um, player in which I would go I would want to play seven days a week 24 hours a day it just I wanted to be in the gym because I felt like if I wasn't in the gym someone else was in you know was also uh, was, was beating me to the punch and I never wanted to feel like I was behind and I had a coach when I was I think a fourth grader fifth grader sat us down very first day of practice and just blatantly asked us how many of you want to play varsity basketball when you get older? Well, of course, you know, all, all hands went up and he, and I don't know if I would necessarily say this or do this now. Um, but he, he just told us black and white was said of this group here. I, I see two individuals that will play and play significant minutes at the varsity level. And now, like I said, for a group of young kids, it was kind of shocking, a because you know you, you're just not in that mindset. And B, for someone of who was much, much older than us to say that, it just to me it was motivation. It's like, okay well, I don't know who he's talking about, but I certainly don't want to be on the other end where yeah. I wasn't giving myself the best opportunity um, you know getting in the gym and doing all those things. So I think that's a great uh, a great point to be made. Just in the demographic or the the location, um, it was always a struggle to get in the gym after hours. I I constantly had, uh, and I won't name names, but I had teachers turn off the lights on me when I was in the gym. You know, hey, mm-hmm. you got to get out of here. Uh, you're, you know, we don't have. It was all liability, you know, and I get it. Yep. I understand it, yep. um, but I certainly have remembered that, and I've always told myself if if I'm ever in a position to offer. Um, the ability of, you know, for athletes to get in and do, do what they want to, you know, get in and and work on something. Um, You know, I love that. That, that gets me excited, makes me, you know, and I'm sure for you as a coach now gets you, uh, motivates you because you're like, hey, you know, this individuals is already, you know, ready to go, is pounding the stone. And I'm sure, you know, you Jordan, you're like, okay, as a coach, like I gotta, you know, here we go. And so it's an interesting, um, kind of an interesting point what and, and I don't know how much you deal with this or you've dealt with this in the past but um and, and maybe you saw this as when when you were in school what are your thoughts on on younger players moving up to play you know so the the freshman um and you might even have younger kids uh at least in a class class b school I guess yeah. to um moving up to that varsity level you know what are your thoughts on that and how and how it relates to when you were in school well um i, I
1: think we've kind of gone back and forth with that in our program we've probably elevated some kids quicker than we should have and we probably waited too long on some kids to elevate and i think that at the end of the day what it has to be is they have to be sure fire move up kids they have to be Uh, kiddos that are absolutely no brainer are going to have a chance to help the varsity going to have a a major impact in the JV and aren't going to maybe get all the things from the level that they're at, that they can get at the next level. Cause I've seen it go both ways. I've seen it where the kiddo comes up. He was the surefire kid. He belongs. He ends up finding a spot as a freshman or as a sophomore on the varsity. Um, And then I've seen it the other way where the kid doesn't really belong, wasn't ready and then the following year when they're playing the same level are just totally not motivated anymore. They're not excited to be there. They think that they don't belong there, that they should be up higher at a different level, and it can go a different way. You know, So for right. us, it, it's been a juggling act. And what we do now, uh, I don't know what other programs do, is we, we keep our kids at the level that they're at for all the way through tryouts and, until they've proven to everybody around them and to all the coaches that they belong up. You know so our freshmen start with the freshmen our sophomores start with the sophomores and, and that's where you're going to stay until you really prove that you're head and shoulders above somebody um but like even with tracing last year it was it was something i mean i spent a lot of time with him in the summer uh play coached him in a ton of different team camps i'm just using him as an example i could i could give you 20 of them uh struggled last summer he did mm-hmm. and he wasn't quite mature enough yet and he wasn't mentally or physically quite ready and he's someone that didn't like playing on the second team all summer. He played on our BHS two all summer, and he could have taken it and you know not been happy about it. But what he did is he grinded for the next four months. And all of a sudden, our first day of practice, we look at each other like, "Holy smokes!" Like this kid is not does not belong on the sophomore team. And by the first game, he was you know first guy off the bench and making major contributions in the varsity. So like you said what i love about your story is you took that that the comment that your coach said you at a young age and, and took it the right way and you let it motivate you and you let it kind of drive you to become a better player you didn't look at it like oh that jerk like well, we all can play can't we you right you did and yeah. go home and and complain about it you had such a fantastic mentality about it that's what you hope when you send when you send that kind of message is going to happen uh, you just never know what's going to happen when they go home and, and, and say something, or what how a kid is going to take it. But um, you know, you hope that last year, by him getting that message being on BHS two, um, he was you know, not only just on BHS one during the season. You know, he was had multiple games over thirty points and was like, yeah, a unanimous selection of the all conference team by the coaches in that league. It, uh, had to have been on the you know on the verge of making an all state team last year. You know, so it is it's cool when you see that. Uh, a kid take it the right way and take that message and, and go and do the right
0: thing with it rather than, you know, where you can, where you oftentimes see it go. And I think, and I think the, the, you know, the point that was being made um, by, by my coach was, I think he was testing. I mean, I know we were young and impressionable, but I think there was a level of, 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 um, he was he was seeing how uh we would react in that moment and then you know i'm sure over a course of time uh how much that message resonated and i remember coming home that night or even probably on the car ride home telling my dad what coach said and he kind of chuckled because he just he thought it was such a uh out there thing to say especially to such a young group of of kids um, but he never, you know, never said anything after the fact. And I remember, and he and I, we've talked about it numerous times after the fact. And he said, I, I figured it was a test and that depending on how you interpret it, um, you, you know, it was going, it was going to see it as a parent, how you were going to, uh, you know, go on and, and do different things and he said I I believe it wasn't too long after that the summer came around and you wanted to go to every team camp and every yep. you know basketball camp in the area and so he said I think the message, you know, was received loud and clear. So it's an interesting um interesting point. When you you know to, to go off of um Trayson, is that his name? Yep, Tracy. To, to to just using him as an example. And like I said, I know you you've got a, a great program there with a lot of different um, athletes who can bring a lot to the table, but using him sure. as an example, if he was not, let's say, uh, physically ready, but let's say the mental side of his of his game is just it's on a different level. Do you would you still keep him where he's at in that moment, or would you test the waters and say, well, let's see how he does um, at that next level, even though maybe physically? he's almost there but maybe not quite like where do you draw like where's the line in your mind
1: i uh, i think it you know it depends on the age a lot a lot of time for a kid to make it as a freshman they need to be like surefire like very physically ready because even if you're mentally ready as a freshman which almost none are you need to be that dexter Werner
0: type where you're you know dex was yeah. six four to ten
1: as a freshman like physically ready to go. You know, you need to be able to handle the abuse that, that, that's offered at the varsity level, um, especially in the West region. You know, in the WDA, it's such a physical league and a grinding league and a well-coached league that you need to be physically ready for it. Um, but, I mean, we've had we've had athletes like, I'll give you, like Will Mather, for example, as a sophomore, um, he was undersized. He was... Um, not the the greatest basketball player. Will Mather was a kid that was a three year starter, well, two year starter for us because he was hurt as a junior, but would have been a three year starter. That was an All State quarterback. He's now playing quarterback for Northern State. That basketball, um, not super talented kid, not a great scorer, um, but a fantastic passer. Saw the game so well. The game just naturally was slow, came slow to him. Um, the hardest worker you're going to find, like fantastic leader, um, but basketball wise, like his skills and hoops, probably not ready to lead a team as a sophomore, but ended up starting for us as a sophomore just because he was so much smarter and saw the game so well uh, that he ended up starting for us as a sophomore leading us to a state tournament. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think it, I think there's levels to it. And if you're sure. so above and beyond and you're a kid that sees the game and can, may slow it down so much, your physical is going to come along and the mental is
0: almost more important, probably more important than the physical. And I had I had coaches, I, and, I, and I never... Uh, said this out loud, but in my mind there were times where I felt like I was ready to play at a different level, Um, but physically I wasn't there. Uh, But from the mental side of it, you know, I always tell people my, how I would summarize my basketball career was I was a much better coach than I was player. I I felt like I could see the game from a coach's point of view, the X's and O's, the strategies, in and out of timeouts, late game situations, all of those different things. Um, I felt like I I don't want to, you know, make this sound whatever, but had a leg up in terms of yep. um, which, you know, and I had great athletes around me and great teammates, which in turn, you know, that's what made our team um, competitive. We just had a, a different mix of talents. Um, but I I appreciate the coach that never pulled me aside and said, well, hey, I'm going to bring you up uh, and get you in this action when they probably knew in the back of their mind physically i was not ready right. you know yeah. um so yeah. i i look back on it and i i really uh am appreciative of that because sure i could have gone out there and 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 stood where i needed to stand and understand you know the the different sets and all these things but from a physical standpoint i think i would have i i mean i i don't think i know i would have been bullied um, around just because i didn't have the weight yet and right. uh i think that's it's an interesting Thing to look at when you're uh, trying to decide, Jordan. I, quickly, um, you you ended up com- uh, signing your uh, commitment to you Mary, correct? Uh, correct. To talk to me about a little, just you know, briefly about your recruitment process and what what stood out to you about the the Marauder program and why you ultimately chose to continue playing uh, basketball there.
1: Well, um, one thing I I, I don't regret anything but i i kind of wish i would have played AAU from a little bit younger age i didn't play AAU until i was a senior and i think the recruiting process even then already started much earlier you know at that freshman sophomore level and they and and schools really start to identify kids that are serious about playing college basketball and they start to get kids on their radar Um, and i didn't play AAU basketball until right before my senior year and i think especially living in north dakota in order to get any exposure from schools other than just the locals you need to be involved in AAU basketball if your goal is to be a college basketball player, you know?
0: Um,
1: So I wish that would happen at an earlier age, but coming into my my senior year, uh, played AAU for the first time, and I think a lot of those coaches, they get those AAU
0: books, and it tells all the kids in it. (laughs) And I I, I I happen to be a pretty good
1: student, and when it said class rank, you know, I was – a 4.0, along with several kids, you know, in, in, in my class, when it said class rank one out of a 392 or whatever it was, uh, they're like, "Oh, smart kid, here we go, and then right. I, I would get called, like, the majority of the calls that I took were from uh, the D3s in the Minnesota-Wisconsin area, sure. like, they were, okay. you know, from the myAC and the yac and schools that were reaching out uh, because of the academics portion of it. Uh, and at the time, we only had one D2 in the area. Mary had just turned D2 my senior year. Uh, and then other than that, the only other schools you can get recruited from are the NAIs, uh, and then the JUCOs, and then the two D1s. And for me, my goal coming in is I wanted – I had one thing, and, and this is – I always try and talk to my athletes early on, and what is your goal? What do you want to do? Um, like, what? where do you see yourself? What What's most important to you? Uh, Gunnar Swanson. Uh, who's a senior for me this year? He's a played as a sophomore for us. He was a all-conference kid last year as a junior. I thought he was an all-state snub, uh, but he just signed at Mary the summer. That's the first thing I asked. Like, what is your goal? Is it is it where it's at? Is it the area? Is it the location? Is it the level? Is it the amount of money you get? And his thing is, I, I'd like to get as much of my schooling paid for as possible, and I want the school to be comfortable for me. Like, those were his two goals. Right. Like, that's what I want. I want something that feels good, It's a good fit, and I want to get as much money as I can, obviously, because I don't want to have huge loans because he comes from a smart family. He's got great parents and great support, and, and, you know, I thought that was great. Okay, well, let's find it then. Let's figure it out. Um, for me, my, yeah, I wanted to play at the highest level while getting my school paid for. Yeah. And I didn't want to get some of it paid for. I wanted all of it paid for. Um, so I didn't care if, if I got a half offer to me from uh, a D2 and I got a full offer to me from an NAI. I was going to go play in the NAI because I wanted my school paid for it, but I wanted it to be at the highest level. Um, and Mary ended up actually being my only D two offer. Uh, okay. I had you know the the NAI schools around here, the Juco's that called me, and I was pretty upfront with them. And the D threes that, you know, after talking with Mary, like I'm probably not going anywhere but Mary unless I get either a D one look. Which looking back, I wasn't. I couldn't have played at that level, especially at a young age. Um, or another d2 in which there are no d2s around here other than Mary at the time um, so for me it was you know it was, it was pretty simple uh, I got uh, Juno Pintar recruited me and uh, developed a very strong relationship with me he actually coached with you me now at BHS uh, and and I liked the way he did things I liked his vision one of it one thing he did is he sat uh, a map of North Dakota down in front of me and and he said I want Mary, when you think of North Dakota basketball, to be um, the number one thing you think of before it, you know, all these other schools, I want you thinking about Mary, and I liked his vision, and he recruited me and several other of my um, top-level classmates being uh, Justin Belavick and Mark Bacham and Tate Kick and uh, several guys that I played AAU basketball with and developed relationships with. And we were just super excited about the direction that the program was going, and you know, the, the the North Dakota flavor, and then on top of it, you know, getting a nice scholarship offer and being able to stay home and play at a D2
0: level, that was all very enticing for me. When you think about, so you know, having grown up in Bismarck, um, you ultimately went to a university that was in Bismarck. Do you ever look back and think to yourself that there were, you know, you could have gone, and this is, in I'm... In, um, I'm saying from do you ever think that you would have, looking back, go away from home or, you know, further away from home and and see and play at a different level or, you know, play at a school and then come back to Bismarck? Or were you very comfortable in the idea of, um, you know, what Mary had to offer and it just so happened that it was in the same town that you grew up in?
1: That's an interesting question, man. Something that I've thought about a ton of times throughout my life is what, ex- what my experiences would have looked like and where I would have ended up if it, if it were to try something like that out and were to go somewhere. And of course, I mean, another thing that I've thought about throughout my whole life is what would college coaching look like? And uh, when I was done playing at Mary, did I want to go try the, the GA thing? And I had so many mentors and people in my life that thought I should have went and tried it and did the GA thing for two years and get my master's and see if the college thing was for me. Um, and of course, looking at all those things, I, I took them into account. It's something that I did by no means that I have leaving Bismarck turned off. Like I'm not, I can't leave Bismarck. I need to stay home. Um, but it ended up being the best thing for me. Right. It, it, you know, it ended up being the best, but yeah, of course I, I still think about what it would have been like, but you know, it, 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 it led to a, an unbelievable opportunity. Um, getting back on staff at Bismarck I with coach Miller, it led to, um, you know, finding my my wife who uh, went to Concordia Moorhead and is from Bismarck, and, uh, having our kids and establishing a life, and becoming the head coach at my I, my high school, and all those you know neat opportunities that have come from it. So, would I take it back? You know, if you, I know you didn't ask that. Of course, I wouldn't. But of course, it's 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 fun to look back and think about and and, and ponder at what you know what kind of opportunities would be out there. Um, for me, it made the most sense to stay here. It made the most sense because I. You know to get in with the, the, the day camps in town here and start establishing myself as trying to be the next in line for that Bismarck high job um, and that's why you know making that decision on where you're going to college is extremely important and I, I try and communicate that with my athletes along with I teach Avid in town here along with my Avid students that it's a you're really your first huge major de- decision uh, right, yeah. is where you're going to school and you have to take it seriously and and, 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 and uh, last thing, and then I'll, we'll move on. Is one thing the one thing I do regret is not taking all my visits. Um, okay. And I, I try and tell my kiddos, like, go visit schools, even if there's no way you think you're going to go there, use your visits and go because you never know. Right. And I didn't do that. You know, I just said, nope, I want to play D2. I don't want to play NAI. So when NAI is called, I just automatically turn my ears off. Like, Why would you do that? You know, that's so yeah. silly. Or all the JUCOs that I talked to, it was, you know, several JUCOs and eyes. Why? Why would I have done that? I wish, you know, looking back, it would at least for the experience to go make the trip and meet some people and meet some coaches like that. You know that that was silly. So I make I'm very clear with my athletes now. Go make your visits. Go see the campuses. You know, get out there.
0: Right, and and it's a great point, Jordan. You know, and you and you touched on it. And the key word that I really took was opportunity. It was a great opportunity for you in that in that moment in your life. Um and it made the most sense and I have uh and not that I'm advising uh athletes on any you know particular level but I will have um people approach me and and kind of just gauge um or you know just get my thoughts on something like that and uh, I always I always try and preach you know you have to you have to take into account a lot of different things but the opportunity that you get it has to make sense for you just because someone puts something in front of you that doesn't necessarily mean it's the best opportunity. You know, it, it has right. to make sense. Um, you know, like you said, there's criteria, you know, you you know having your school, a uh, certain amount of it, you know, compensated for you and all these different things. Um, you know, it, it can be so... Uh, sometimes individuals put blinders on and uh, they see, you know, that Nike, you know, gear and everything's, you know, oh, yeah. just the flash and dash of things, but they forget yep. the life the what's going to be life after the fact and you know i i and you and i are similar jordan i don't look back and regret a lot of things one thing i do maybe wish that i would have thought more of was um, i didn't go on and play after high school but i had made up my mind that i was going to go to uh, ndsu come hell or high water there was no um, i had applied at other schools you know for different uh, for different programs um, got accepted into some other schools, but my mind was made up. I didn't take any other visits. I didn't, didn't do any of that. Uh, so very similar situation. Um, and I look back on it now and a part of me, you know, and, and this is, <laughs> this is just maybe because we live in North Dakota and, um, the day and the day in and day out grind of things can kind of become monotonous, but I see mutual friends of mine that maybe went to, uh, Florida state, or they went to, um, you know, Cal university or, you know, all these different places across the country. And a part of me is like, why didn't I look more into that? What, what made me yep. so in that, in that moment think, nope, I'm not going to even waste my time. Um, I can never, I don't even have an answer for it, why that was the reason. But at the same time, I think about it. I'm like, I think what I, the decision that I made, I know it was the right one, because when you talk dollars, uh, out-of-state tuition is incredibly yep. expensive, yep. so, and I think my, my parents are probably very thankful that I stayed in-state. Yeah, um, no doubt. But, you know, it's just different things like that, and I think that's a great point and a great highlight um, for anybody that's listening is um, is, yeah, take your visits. That's something that I probably wish somebody would have maybe put a bug in yep. my ear more, you know, hey, go visit that campus. I know you're not interested in it at all. And and even the concept of now, which I see in a, a lot of students kind of battle with, is going to that smaller university, doing your generals, um, saving a few dollars, and then going yep. to that big university. And I know athletics tends to kind of, I, I don't want to say throw a wrench in it, but it does take you on a different path. But um, certainly, there are ways to navigate that. So it's an interesting, uh, kind of an interesting aspect. Well, I, I, that. I
1: could tell you, there's there's one tweet that I I can't hit the like button quick enough when I see on Twitter, and that's when JUCO coaches are like pleading with people, like, why do so many people turn off JUCO because it's a JUCO? Right. <laughs> like automatically hear the word JUCO and you're like, nope, not JUCO. Like, what? Why not? Look at how many people have come from. Like, <laughs> there's so many stories that you could find where kids come from JUCO and and make it and go on to something bigger and better like That kid I was talking about earlier Lucas Martinez played two years at and went on to play um, at the University of Wyoming and he's making good money right now playing professional basketball nine years later
0: like yeah.
1: why do people turn themselves off and, and you, you know you go back to that word opportunity to anything you see it's like you you get in your mind as a young kid that yeah like you said the Bison yeah. you know it's NDSU it's the Bison and of course as a kid like, if I could have been good enough to play for the Bison that would have been awesome but um, you don't need to set your goals on this one thing, this is it, that's it. That's the only thing. You have no idea what some of these other schools can offer. So when you get calls, take them seriously, give them the time of day, answer calls, answer texts, return emails. Don't leave coaches high and dry because of what you think in your brain is the place for you because you have no idea what, what, what life could bring or what an offer or what a phone call could bring.
0: So, I, I mean, I have to ask, I'm, I'm sure you were, in like many of us, uh, watched the documentary. Um, yep. What did you think?
1: I was, well, I was blown away. I mean, I thought it was fantastic. I don't know how much I necessarily learned from it. Yeah. You know, because I've read just about every Jordan book you can read and watched all the old docs. Uh, the part that I love the most about it is how candid he was on it. You just, yeah. you can't find anything where Jordan isn't smiling, holding the Gatorade, um, you Know being that the the person that we were portrayed as the, uh, on the McDonald's commercials and the Gatorade commercials, like he was so candid. And the part that I love most about it is, is when they'd have someone that uh, was talking smack about him and they'd hand him the iPad and yeah, <laughs> and they'd show his reactions to what people were saying about him. I thought that was just you know fantastic. And um, I actually used because the doc was on, you know, it started in April and I was still doing my my distance learning, I actually used an article on it in, in my AVID class um, to talk to my kids about determination and grit, and you know, fighting through the grind and not letting setbacks, you know, hold you back and uh, th- those sort of things. So I think there's a lot of things you can learn from Jordan's mentality. I think there's a lot of things you can learn from the way he approached the game. but. There is, obviously, a point to where (laughs) we're not going to be Michael Jordan. Right. And you can't treat your teammates the way that he did. That that was my question. There's definitely a fine line that you can learn from him, and he can be a positive role model. But at the same time, there is a fine line because, although I respect and appreciate what he did, there aren't very many people other than maybe him and Kobe Bryant, and the list probably ends there, that can actually... You know, go into a locker room and and and, and act like that, and approach uh, the game like that, and get away with it.
0: Well, and that and that was, uh, and that's a great point. And I was I was going to ask is Jordan had this, well, uh, you know, kind of um, he came at you, and he wasn't afraid to uh, to say what was on his mind. And when you think about what athletes are. You know, in today's world, I don't think a lot of what, like his approach to things, would translate. I think there are certain snippets, but his kind of brass, um, you know, approach to uh, how he would give direction and motivate his teammates certainly, uh, like you said, there is a fine line. Which kind of is my uh, you know segue into the idea of participation. Uh, participation trophies um you know one one thing that um you know i've tried to observe over the years is this concept of should everybody get something you know should there be a first second and third or should everybody be put on that same level and kind of in terms of jordan it it appeared to me that participation trophies to him maybe even from a very, very young age would have meant nothing to him. If he didn't win, it was a total, you know, uh, crash and burn in his eyes. So kind of from from Jordan, from your coaching perspective and what you witnessed growing up from a guy like Michael Jordan, where do participation trophies fall in today's world? And if they do at all, I mean,
1: right. Hey man, we could take this so many different ways. Uh, You know, you got the wheels turning now, uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's it's tough for me because i can see both sides of the things in this way um i don't think kids should specialize early ever but it seems that the push is becoming that if you don't specialize and pick a sport early that you're not going to have a chance which is absolutely crazy um so i don't you know i don't think that participation ribbons and you know the the good job buddy you know kind of you, you you still doing great kind of speeches are are great because i think it's okay to get <laughs> to 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 not succeed at a young age i think it's okay right. not to be the champion and to know from a young age like holy this is what it feels like losing and i think that can add to your motivation you know i think that can help drive i think that's one of the major fuels and things that drive people are failure um i mean you you read any book you look at anything you listen to any podcast you Anybody that's been successful in life, I swear, you look at their backstories, they all have had great major setbacks and major um, failures, and all the you know, the famous failures that you can talk. We could go down the list with the guys that have had those famous failures. So, mm-hmm. I think you need to allow some failure, which is tough, especially now that I've become a parent. I can't imagine, you know, my, my son's 21 months, like allowing him to fail at anything. Like, I don't want him ever to fail at things, but I know. That as he gets older and he's you know of the age where hopefully he starts to play sports and get into some things, you have to let your kids fail. So um, I do see now that as a parent, like how it's going to be tougher than what I've been preaching and talking about for the last ten years as a coach. But at the same time, you do need to allow your kids to fail. But with that being said, I want kids to have opportunities, you know, mm-hmm. and I and I don't want you getting a last place ribbon or you never getting the trophy letting you down and feeling making you feel or like you're not ever going to make it or a kid that makes a c team as a seventh or eighth grader i care less and that's what i'm trying to do more of that now with our program is communicate with our younger coaches and then get into those practices once in a while i actually you know last year i took my whole varsity team we went down to walker our feeder middle school and i had every seventh and eighth grade kid that we had down there at practice with us we put them through some drills and talked to them and that's always my message with kids. And, and I think sometimes our young coaches don't understand it either. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're a C or a B player at that age because you, you haven't even come close to hitting maturity, purity. You have no idea what you're going to become. I mean, how many stories have you read from football players, basketball players that didn't start playing until they were 15, 16, and right. still yeah. eventually made runs into not even just D1 but as professionals? Like, you don't know what kids are going to be. So, you know, again, there's a fine line. And when you allow a parent that has you know, more, um, you know, as more money and more um, resources to give to a kid, a lot of times it's tougher when uh, to have those opportunities for everybody because I I want all of our kids to have those opportunities at a young age. So, you know, again, we talk about that fine line I mentioned it earlier, but it's the same thing here. I'd love for kids to stay motivated and and keep participating and keep going. Uh, But at the same time, it it can become tough because you you don't want to just – you know, we're all the same, and go ahead. We'll all get participation ribbons because you need to have some failure to help drive you as well. So, you know, it, it, it's a tough subject. It's something that, again, I'm sure we could really go into because um, it, it, it is a it is a, an interesting one to talk about.
0: So, and, in, in you know, my my follow up question to that would be, Jordan, is who's in, whose responsibility is it to? So, you've got a young athlete whose responsibility is it to to um, help that athlete interpret uh a trophy in terms of uh, or let's uh, uh, like a participation flag is it the coaches or the um supervisors i guess at a young age but coaches responsibility to educate that athlete and say look you know you got you know you were able to participate and do this but you should now use this as motivation? Or do you think that falls more on the, on the parental side of it? You know, because I've seen, I've seen so many situations where uh, young kids are handed these participation flags and depending on the age, you know, of course, um, so for, for sake of arguments, maybe somebody that's on the older side, so just going to start maybe really finding their stride in, in a particular activity or whatever it may be, I see situations where that athlete is really really in the moment very happy and you know whatever but I'm always curious on what the conversation is after the fact and who's really helping he or she interpret you know what they just achieved I mean I think there's always it's I think it's always great for an athlete to relish and you know hey you accomplished something you finished it um but I'm always curious as from now that you being a parent and a coach, who do you think is having that conversation now saying like, hey, now this is your opportunity to, you know, move the bar even, even higher or um, well, what do you think that really falls on? Or is it, is it just kind of a dual, dual approach?
1: Yeah, I think it definitely needs to be a dual approach. I, I think more than anything, it has to be the parents though. You know, when you're saying hitting the stride, are you saying like late elementary, middle school, like that kind of age?
0: Yeah, I mean,
1: or I, into high school. I would you know,
0: say, I, I would say early, uh, you know, that fifth, sixth grade. Yeah, um, age yeah.
1: Or... well, because once kids get into high school, they're not sitting home much, talking to mom and dad about those sort of things. Because right. they're 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 hey, mom, thanks for dinner. You know, they're, they're taking off, they're hanging out with friends, they're going to their room, they're playing Xbox, whatever it happens to be. I think that is such an important age to have good youth coaches and it's such an important age also, you know, to have your mom and dad being able to talk to you at home, probably more than anything mom and dad. Because, like, okay, I run, oh, I didn't get to this summer, but generally I run, you know, between five and seven camps throughout kind of this area uh, for youth kids. And and I give, I don't give participation Ribbons. Um, everybody does leave camp with a ribbon because I'll give some team awards. But as far as our individual awards, I give a trophy for first. I give a second, a third, and a fourth. You know, so everyone doesn't get something. And I, but I try like crazy because I'll have my players at camp with me, and I'll put my arm around a kid because I always, we every single year I have kids that make it for me at the Steve. I've had kids that um, shoot. We had a kid, the kid I always use, Luke Martinez. He was, was just the MVP of the top Mexican league um, a season ago. Uh, He's the MVP of the top league in Mexico, graduated from BHS in 2008, he played sophomore B as a sophomore. Like we've had so many kids that have come from that background where they're they're not the best kid in their grade all the way growing up and all of a sudden they blow up. So being able to keep a good mentality um, at that, but like for me, I like to bring a kid like that into my camp. And when I hand out those awards, I I, I make sure I make it very clear to those fifth and sixth graders that it doesn't matter if you win the award now. It doesn't matter if you get the trophies and getting the MVP awards. Like, what matters is what are you going to do from here? And I always try and make that clear with my kids. But at the end of the day, I'm spending four days in the summer with these kids out of a whole year. Right, You know, like, so how much, are, and, and when you have a fifth and sixth grader that's sitting there with their snicker bar and their, <laughs> and their power, you know, right. they're not necessarily locked into everything that I'm saying. They look like they're listening to me, but they leave and, they, you know, it's out of their head another second later. That's why it's extremely important at that age to have mom and dad at home, you know, encouraging, telling them, keeping them involved, but at the same time, not telling them that everything that they're doing is the greatest thing that's ever happened you know
0: right yeah and, and
1: i think that's a tough thing to do because you want to be encouraging and you want to be supportive and tell your kid that they're the best and that they but at the end of the day they need to know that it's if they want to get better and if they're at that that's such an important age where you need to you need to be working and it's important to have a ball on your hands and I, like i said i love the active play and just allowing kids to be kids and make their own teams and go be creative and all that. I think it's so important along with some skill work, but it's so important to, to have that. But, you know, mom and dad can't be just telling their kiddos that they're the greatest and there's nobody better than them. And, you know, they didn't play the last four minutes of that fifth grade traveling game. Their coach is an idiot and making excuses for them because if, if that's happening from a young age, by the time they get to us, they're probably going to be behind because when you're not – when you haven't reached that you know you're not good enough as a sixth grader and you're being told already at that age that your coach is an idiot and and you're actually should be playing more it's probably not going to make you better it's going to make you more complacent so it's important to know that okay well the the message should be it's okay like what are you going to do about it are you going to go to practice the next day like when you have practice at seven o'clock at the y at uh, on tuesday night how are you going to make yourself better are you going to go prove yourself to your coaches that you should play more like one of my favorite quotes ever is the Shane Daddy quote, and I don't know it exactly. You've probably heard it. I, it it's something along the lines of, uh, "My job wasn't to complain when I didn't play. My job was to be so good that I, the coach had no other option but to play me." Right. Yep. You know. Yeah. So th- that's always the message. You and I, I try and come into our early season meetings with our parents, and I always have that message that you know we're in this thing together. And playing time is the toughest thing that you have to do as a coach because I'd love to, I love my kids, I love to all, play them all thirty six minutes, but it's just it's not possible. So it's just encouraging and what can you do next and how can you you know not allow your coach uh, to put you on the bench at the end of the game what can you do so I think that needs to be the resounding message more than anything
0: and not that not that you and I Jordan are that far removed from technology being a major player in all of this but I certainly see in today's generation, um, with the, with the, uh, use of social media, um, I think presenting and putting things in front of athletes is far more amplified and, uh, you could say the lights are a little bit brighter, um, yep. than maybe it was when, when you were in school and then, you know, me not that far behind you. Um, because I feel like nowadays it, you know, some of the things i see on on twitter and you know these re- these recruitment visits and all these things i'm like if only that would have been you take what's happening and you just shift it back 10 years i mean i can't imagine some of the past that uh you know that friends of mine or people that i knew would have changed because of yeah, oh you God. know just the presentation of things and and the and the glitz and the glam of of what goes into that which you know you can interpret however any way you want but um, no, I think it's, it's, it's all interesting, uh, especially when you start to break it down, Jordan, uh, just my last segment here, I want to talk to you about your coaching. Um, one thing that I've, I've, I had an opportunity to watch Bismarck, uh, play a few times, um, last season. And one thing that really stood out to me was this, um, five in kind of five out, uh, hockey line change. If you want to draw correlations to different, uh, sports, that um, I see that you're uh, implementing there in Bismarck, um, my part one uh, a of this question. How challenging of an adjustment or you know was that for your athletes? Um, because traditional sense is you've got your five starters and you, you know, you work through your bench, but you you switch out like five and five. Um, how much of a challenge was that for your players? And then uh, the second part of this question. Do you see that being uh, a way of the future for for high school um, basketball around at least around here in the Midwest? Um, okay,
1: so the first part of the question, I yeah, it uh, it was definitely an adjustment for our kids. And uh, the funny uh, funny story, I run a, a team camp in Bismarck here at the Capital City Classic, and uh, our very first game we played against uh, Mandan High at the Horizon Gym, and I'll never forget it. We're one minute into the game, and I had. Uh, four or five subs at the at the table and uh one of my players uh logan schaubert he's a junior but be a senior this year he was a double digit scorer for us last year comes to the bench i'm not even tired yet and and i said just wait (laughs) yeah and and he goes back into the game and then he comes back on i'm still not tired but you know 12 minutes left to go in the game not one of my kids i could keep on the floor they couldn't, like, none of them. They were mm. all hanging their heads. They were walking up and down the court. They couldn't move. We got just just blown out by man. And it was like 30 or 35. Like, it wasn't even close. And the game's over, and every single one of those kids came back to me and said, yep, we, we see why you were making subs 0 in the game and why you told us uh, during our, our camp last week that we were going to have to be the best, you know, the best-conditioned team in the league. Because in order to play the style that we play, in order to, to be able to compete at that level, at that speed, you need to be in unbelievable shape and you are not going to be able to play more than two, three and a half. To, man, you know, if, if, if we have a kid play four straight minutes, they won't be able to walk by the end, even my best, and the kids are in the best shape. So, um, it's just an expectation that I think they fought a little bit early on. Uh, but the one thing that I give the most credit to making that shift are my seniors. Uh, they play in that system your entire life and watch the demons play and grind and play as hard as they can for three years as seniors to have their coach take away everything they've learned and teach them something new. I was very, that was what I was most worried about. I sure. could care less what the public thinks. I could care less what anyone else thinks. The only thing I worried about was my seniors that put all that time in. And those five kids showed up day one with their hard hats on, fully invested, fully bought into what we were doing. Um, and that's who, who I'm most thankful to is those kids. Cause as soon as your seniors buy into something and as soon as they start drinking the Kool-Aid, then uh, the rest comes along. And, and, that, and the rest was history, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second part of your question was...
0: Do you, was do you it see it being a trend? Do you see other programs oh, okay, trying yeah. to do the same?
1: I, I I have no idea. You know, I I think there have been... I mean, I've had so many conversations with people around the community and the Bismarck Banning community that, you know, love what we do, and I wonder if, you know, if that's going to be more... The one the, the hardest thing as a coach to do sometimes is to give up, uh, is to give up some control, and that's one thing I had to commit to. Is I thought that this system was going to be what's best for our program, what fits our athlete particular the best, and something that w- would give us the best chance to win uh, with with our, our, our kids that we have. And, and and I mean after year one, you know it looked pretty good, but I also had to give up control. You know I, I can't slow it down and run a, a set and decide who's going to get the ball every time and who's coming off the ball screen, who set the ball screen where you can get advantage of your mismatches. You know, my defense, I can't tell you exactly how we're going to defend every down screen and ball screen and break down every single play that the other team runs and how we're going to defend it. Uh, it, it's, it's what, what really it becomes is teaching and it, 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 practice becomes about us mm-hmm. and it becomes about what we do best. And l- it's when the players take ownership that it that it becomes successful and and it was it was not easy to do for anybody in our staff uh, so I, I don't know if it's gonna catch fire if I, you know I've had some coaches reach out to me asking questions and wondering about it and asking how it went and I, I would assume we'll see some of it uh, but you know it, it, it is not easy and it's not that you just decide that we're going to press and play fast and then it happens right you know yeah. you need, you need the commitment and you need the buy-in. And it has to be program-wide with all your assistant coaches, with every player in the system. You know, we had to have a lot of things go right for us last year for it to work. You know, it's not just, all right, we're pressing, here we go, and then you end up in the state semis. There was a lot of, you know, I was fortunate to have kids that bought in and and did exactly what was asked asked, asked of them to have that success. And I think that's your goal as a coach, right? Like, no matter what you're doing, no matter what you're running, if you get full buy-in and you get everybody on one page – you know, fighting for one goal, you, you're going to see success in whatever you're doing, and uh, so I, I don't know if we're going to see it. I'm, I'm very interested to find out, but we'll see. I
0: guess. I, I think uh, it's interesting too that, you know, I would say having, you know, you've got it's it's and it's very clear that you've got a great group of um, players around you, and I think you have to have the right athletes, and and that's not to diminish. You know other programs that have you know every program has uh, very good athletes, but I think from what from what I understand and how I'm interpreting that transition that you guys have made is that do you make that transition if you don't necessarily have a group of of just athletes? You know I'm I'm not uh, take the take the brains out of it because um, that's obviously that's a that's a very big part part of this, but just the pure athlete standpoint, does, does this work? If you don't necessarily have that, can you make that work? Cause I, I mean, if I, you're going to, I mean, think, I know conditioning and the practice and that's yeah. all going to, you know, help that, you know, help the cause. Mm-hmm. But, um, mm-hmm. I think the foundation it's, of having athletes too would help.
1: There's no doubt. And that's the, the, the interesting conversation you have, you know, on the bus ride home from Watford city or Williston or Belcourt with your staff. When you look back at your previous teams mm. and you salivate and think about some of the teams we've had in the past and how successful we could have been with this because yeah obviously i think if you have really good athletes like in anything you're going to be you're going to be better at whatever you're doing if you're longer and more athletic and bigger and more explosive um no doubt it's going to make you better I, th- I think though with what we're doing if you can condition yourself and be able to sprint for two minutes straight and you're willing to uh just play with an edge and a passion and play at a pace and a tempo that no one else is willing to do and you're willing to no matter what is asked of you like you're going to do it going 100 miles an hour and balls to the wall and all that sort of thing um that you're going to be successful with whatever type of athlete you have personally is is what i think i don't know you know because the funny thing is I've, i've had a lot of people that have approached me and you know with the team that you had this year boy that was impressive the run you had and And I kind of always close an eye because I know they're giving me a compliment and I I appreciate it. And I know we were picked, I mean, we were picked like sixth in the WDA this year. We weren't picked anywhere near the top ten in the stage. Um, So when you look at it from that perspective, going from there to where we ended up, of course, you're going to think that. But we were, I knew from the start that we had talent. We had kids that could score the ball and that would be committed to practice no matter what we were doing. So for me, I was a little bit spoiled um, because we were I knew we were going to be better than what people expected. But as far as, you know, the athlete goes, for me it was, it was more just kids buying in and, and being willing to work and being willing to put in the time and spend the extra time before and after practice. And, you know, the, the commitment for me more so than the, the great
0: athlete was what I thought set us apart last year. Do you believe in 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 going off of your of of how you're approaching, uh, and maybe this doesn't work with the type of um, offense and uh, defensive strategy with subbing in and out, but do you believe in 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 the transition three? I've always I've always heard different interpretations of of coaches and how they view um, a, a quick transition three, and then uh, second part of this question, um, do you? Do you think there's the concept of small ball in high school? Uh you, you hear it in the professional ranks, but I, I just want to get your thoughts on that.
1: Um, I you know, we have so I guess do I believe the transition three of yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we yeah. you know, we, we shot more threes last year than probably the, I don't know, I could do the math, probably the previous three or four years combined. I mean we we broke our our single game scoring record twice. Um we had this the we shot more threes. Well, man, I should go look at the stat. I think we shot like 300 more threes than the second most in our league wow. this year. Wow. Um, and that doesn't happen without shooting a lot of transition threes. And my philosophy with that is, you know, it, and it was tough for me and very tough for my staff and for our players. To, well, not for our players so much. They loved it. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but for us to make that transition, because you're always ingrained your whole life to slow it down, swing it side to side, get a paint touch, yeah. get a rotation, uh, you know, break the defense down before you get a shot up. And I was, trust me, I played for Steve Miller and Darren Mattered in high school. I mean, if you watch Darren Matter's teams play, that's who I played for in high school, him and Steve Miller. Like, they, they are going to slow it down. They're going to yeah. grind you out. They're going to make you work. And that is a, a philosophy that, okay, I go to college then, play for Juno Pintar and then for Randall Herbst. My senior year, my junior and senior year playing for Randall Herbst at the time, we were... The, uh, we were the number one team in the country defensively. We gave up like 52.5 points a game. and led the country in turnovers per game, uh, fewest turnovers per game, um, because of the style and tempo we played at because we slowed it down. We worked it side to side. We ran our system and then got it to our two best players at the end of the game and went ball screen and took advantage of mismatches and that sort of stuff. Sure. So coming from the programs that I came from, it was tough for us to make that transition. And, uh, you know, being able to take that quick shot was tough for, again, you're giving up that control as a coach. But part of our philosophy is that if you get um, quick shots up, the defense isn't going to be ready to block out. and They're not going to be set. And we actually end up getting a lot of quick offensive rebound putbacks on it. Um, or, you know, what, what's happening is when we take a quick shot, even if they get the ball, we're making them move nonstop. We're wearing them out when we feel like we're going to be in better shape, you know? So, you know, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. That's kind of how we look at it, that we want to increase possessions, the more possessions in the game, we feel like the more success we're going to have. And if we can wear you out and we can burn you down, we feel like our candle is going to have a lot more flame at the end than other teams.
0: You know, and, Um, and and not to cut, not to cut you off, but the analytically speaking, um, and I and I, I just kind of triggered in my mind. Um, it's the Golden State kind of theory, um, yep. and Steve Kerr uh, has you know said time and time again, because um, obviously with the Splash Brothers and and just the way that Golden State plays, um, he you know and and I would say Houston and uh, Houston Rockets, um, yep. both of those pro uh, those organizations look at it from analytically speaking um you know if we get up x amount of of threes per game uh and we hit you know this insert percentage uh you know throughout the game more often or not depending on you know obviously a lot of other things we should come out ahead in those games and and now you know and i'm not trying to there's there's a lot of differences but it's the same theory to me i think from from what you're saying is, um, we could take a long two, or we could just take that extra step back, and yep. shoot the three, and we're gonna have the same percentage of opportunity of it going in than we would taking that long two. And I, I remember even um, when I was playing, uh, coaches like you said, I, I had coaches that were, you know, half court sets. Uh, if you have a fast break, it was try and get, you know, to the rim, get a foul, whatever. And if you pulled up in transition on a fast break, you would see the bench faster than you would have (laughs) ever, you know, before you could blink, it was, um, like you said, it was just an out there thing to do, um, outside of just playing with your buddies, um, in an empty gym somewhere. It just, you didn't do that. And when I see it in today's game, it's kind of it makes me kind of chuckle that, you know, it wasn't thought of, you know, maybe sooner. Maybe there were coaches that were thinking, well, I would love to do it, but I just don't think I could get the support from, like you said, you know, you've got an incredible staff there and, and yep. a supporting cast that believed in that theory. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that was maybe the case for other programs and, and maybe that's why you you don't see it as uh, as much as you would think, especially in today's game when – um, like you said, from a player's perspective, I had a coach. If I had a coach now tell me, "Hey, Blaine, you can come down and if you've got a a uh, a a three in in sight, you know, you've got the green light to take it. <laughs> you know that would have just been try, that would have been a shooter's dream. It was just like, <laughs> are you kidding me? like and I think yeah. as a player, uh, I've always described myself as a pass first player. I always love getting my teammates involved, and I got yeah. more enjoyment out of a out of a kind of thread the needle pass or whatever. But, I mean, I would have gone crazy if somebody, you know, said like, hey, you got that look, take it. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's an interesting uh, perspective. Jordan, from, you know, kind of putting your, uh, fast forwarding to today's uh, world that we're living in, which is um, 2020 has, has been a roller coaster for a lot of people, um, you, know, pers- you know, personal, you know, uh, endeavors and and certainly in the athletic world um from a coaching perspective, how has the you know the covid nineteen um, kind of pandemic situation adjusted the way that you you yourself prepare mentally and um, and what things will you take away as we hopefully move uh, forward from,
1: from this situation? Well, starting this summer, it was just, it was disappointing that, you know, we go on a a yearly trip to Wisconsin Dells where we have, uh, we go and go down the slides and we stop and go to a twins game and we play six games in two days. And, you know, we, we, we grill out one night, we go out and eat pizza and it's just such a good time for our kids to get together and, you know, have that camaraderie and start talking about hoops and get, you know, so that our, that tradition that we started about four or five years ago didn't get to happen this year and not only did that not that not get to happen i got to play in zero team camps my yeah. kids got to play zero games together this summer so from a basketball perspective it was just so frustrating that you know we didn't get it we didn't get to play any games and and, and i understand it and you know i don't think anyone is going to understand it more than the, the four teams left in the Class A boys and the eight teams left in Class B boys that didn't get to finish their seasons right. because of it, yeah. you know. And and at the time, we knew nothing about it. We didn't know what to expect. and You know, there was no one case in North Dakota, but at the, we were just so blind to what it really meant. And after seeing the impact it's made across the country, it's just pretty apparent that it's a scary thing and we need to be serious about it. Uh, it was something that, it affected us and it was and it was tough but everybody's going through it so it's going to be a learning experience and it's, it's something that our kids have to understand that you know you're not the only ones going through it and how are we going to move on from it what are we going to do with it are you going to let it bum you out Are you going to let it bring you down or are we going to find a way you know to get things done and so that's kind of the the the, the angle we took on it right away and now with school starting and and sports up and running and the football season going you know you're seeing it affect all over the place that the Century Wilson football game this week didn't get to be played because, you know, of COVID. And now I think there was a soccer game tonight that couldn't be played. I think Valley City had some issues. Um, it's it's affecting everybody across the state. So for us, it's it's I think it's making sure that we're preaching to our students and athletes to be safe and to be smart, uh, to take care of themselves, to not put themselves in situations where there'll be, you know, places where they can where they can can get in trouble and to get sick. And I think, our, you know, for me, my own, the, I had five kids at Open Gym today. That means there's five kids in my program of 60 that aren't playing a fall sport. Yeah. You know, all my kids are doing football. So for me, I don't get to be in their ear much right now because they are all playing football. But I know that that's what our football staff is doing, and they're doing it themselves, is trying to stay safe, stay healthy, because at the end of the day, right now, it's, you know, the team that stays the healthiest is... You know, Probably, probably going to have the best chance of being successful moving forward you know so that's kind of for me it's keeping my fingers crossed hoping that we we, we stay healthy and and things get better and we find our way through this thing because uh, you know i couldn't be more excited about our season this year and the team we have and the chemistry we've built and, you know keep building what we started last year and what those seniors started last year and You know, so that's all you can really do right now because we're living day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month. It's I have no idea what tomorrow brings, let alone, you know, November through March. So
0: it's trying to keep a positive attitude. And it's, you know, I I, I think about what, you know, situations like this, what it amplifies. And one thing that I've, you know, that kind of came to the forefront for me was, um, you know, for any athlete that's you know participating um right now whether it's in you know middle school high school college whatever level it may be um to not take for granted the opportunity to play you know the the idea of competition and the the uh the privilege to um put on a jersey and go out and compete um i think in a situation like this becomes even more amplified um Given that, like you said, you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I don't, you know, nobody knows what next week is is gonna how it's going to unfold, and I, I made a point to um, some younger individuals that were going into their uh, senior season, and I I just said very blatantly, I said, you you now have an opportunity to play, and six weeks ago nobody knew if that would be the case, so now it's your it's your responsibility to take in every single practice, every bit of information that your coaches are um, giving to you. And when you go out and compete to live in the moment and give it everything you have, because it could be gone like that. And, you know, in the state tournaments um, and there were a lot of situations, but just for, for the conversation, the state tournaments were a great example of that for, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't, even fathom what those athletes and the coaches and yourself, you know, going through being, you know, you've worked all year to get to a certain point And then, um, because of just uncertainty, you know, uh, it's taken away from you, you know? And it's like, I don't know if I would have had the mental wherewithal to handle that. Like when I look back at, at my, you know, 17, 18 year old self, 16 year old self, I don't know if I would have been able to deal with that. Um, and, and and I, you know, I mean, yeah, you know, so it's just, it's such a, a, a crazy well, and, and what, position. What
1: makes it most tough about it is when you have a group that didn't take things for granted, you know? Right, yeah. <laughs> and it had it, just a group that, just the joy and the passion and how much they loved coming to practice every day and loved being around each other. Never were they walking into the gym with their heads down and mad at being about practice. Like, they're just excited to compete, excited whatever we happen to be doing, energetic, like, just deserve to be in that moment. And that's what made it most heartbreaking. And I'm sure for all the teams that were left, because you generally don't get to, uh, you know, the Final Four in a state tournament without having a group like that. So,
0: right.
1: um, yeah, and it, just the resilience and the grit that, that our kids showed and talking to them afterwards and still, to this. you know, we'll, we'll talk about this forever. Um, just the way that my kids handled it is, was, was really, really impressive. And all those kids just being able to handle it with class and understanding. And I, you're exactly right though, looking back on it, I probably, oof, you know, I would, I would have had a hard time with it because I would have just been like, are you kidding me? Like we've done all this yeah. and we get to it and now you're doing this to us and for our kids not to handle
0: themselves like that was, was incredibly impressive. And that's just a testament to how, how, you know, Jordan and you and your staff, uh, operate your program, which is uh, hats off to you guys. my last question of the evening um you you've got uh, a season which uh knock on wood i i hope um is is gonna come to fruition here um what are your expectations for the upcoming season and and where do you see um this year's team um and how they stack up against other programs?
1: Well, you know we came into the to last year like i said being picked pretty low and finished much higher. And that group played with a, an incredible chip on their shoulder. It was something to prove, and every night, like they were the underdog. And 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 the difference between last year's team and this year's team is that we're not going to be able to be the underdog anymore. You know, we're we're going to go from being the team that's doing the hunting, the team that's you know, being hunted, mm-hmm. and we're no we're no longer just going to fly below the radar. We're going to be a team that will be picked towards the top in the region, and and they deserve to be there. And to be honest with you. I feel like that's where we belong and that's where this program has has been has been for the majority that's that that's what's made me most proud about being a head coach at bismarck high is just our our rich tradition and the history that comes with being a demon and and you know over the last five six seven years we've been good but we haven't been you know where we were at prior to that from you know throughout the 2000s and 2000 early 2010s and we want to get back to that point where every year uh, you, you you deserve that. And the, the work that our guys put in last year has helped them to, to get that. Now what are they going to do, you know, to, to keep it and, and and to continue to get better? And and we have a ton of guys back this year. I returned four double-digit scorers. I returned seven major varsity players from last year. Um, but the one thing we lost with our seniors was some major toughness. You know, the kids that played the front of my press, uh, the kids that did you know the majority of our rebounding and we're doing getting us extra possessions getting on the floor for loose balls and ch- taking charges and doing all those little tiny things um so for us it's going to be well, where are we going to find that toughness you know i'm not going to have some of these kids from last season step up and take that that ownership role and you know we need to find about four or five kids um to come along with them that um that can continue that tradition that we started last year so uh i have high expectations uh I think that we have a chance to be pretty special this year, uh, but the commitment's going to have to start, you know, at practice. And this the senior group that we have this year, all the way up through middle school and uh, through the early part of high school, every coach they've had have, have made comments about how it's their favorite group. And I just love this group, and 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 I was excited to to get them at the high school. So now that I've got them, boy, am I excited about their senior season? And, and they deserve to have their season. And they put in the time and they put in the effort, and they're fantastic kids. So. You know, it, I'm just excited to spend time with my practice. You know, to get back to work once they get through their football season. Uh, you know, and, and God willing that it, it happens and, and they deserve it. And so, hopefully, we stay healthy and, and things stay good. So far, the first few weeks of school have been have been pretty positive, and it's been good seeing kids. And kids are excited to be back. So, um, I appreciate what our district is doing to, to keep people happy and the precautions and the safety measures that have been put in place. So. You know, we, we trust that our administration's making the right decisions for us and, and that things will be positive and we can get back to work because, um, you know, our mentality last year was just taking things one day at a time. And it was a one-day-and-a-next-day mm-hmm. mentality that, you know, we're not setting major goals. It's not we're winning the state tournament or bust or we have to get to the state tournament. We didn't even talk about the state tournament. You know, it was, it was about what we're going to do today to get better and how what can you do at practice right now to get yourself ready for the next game it was all about what are you doing now in the moment? Because if you look too far ahead, I think you can drive yourself crazy. Um, I think you can get complacent. So it was much more of an active goal on how we can um, get better each day. And, I, and the plan is to keep that mentality this year. And with this team, you know, it, it, and they, that's what's, what's fun about it is the love of competition and competing is something that I look forward to seeing again this year at practice because they, they are a fun group to be around. But expectations are high. I'm excited about it. Um, I think our whole program and city is excited to see, see it again. And, and and I'll tell you this, I'm sure the rest of our uh, league is pretty excited to show us that uh, last year was a fluke and that, you know, the things that the success we had last year is because we were surprising teams. So it, it, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch play out.
0: Well, I think I speak for a lot of people. I think uh, uh, everybody, you know, a lot of people have taken notice of of what's going on there at at Bismarck, uh, Bismarck high. And, um, i'm excited i'm i'm a basketball junkie as they come but i'm i'm also really get really get excited after uh seeing you know teams especially the way that you guys play it's it's exciting to watch it's thrilling it's uh it's up and down it's fast paced the kind of basketball that i think a lot of people enjoy um so jordan i i i i wish you guys and your staff and your entire program the the best of luck and um like i said I'll be watching and i know a lot of other people will be um, watching and I think it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a unique season um just from a from a fan standpoint but I'm excited to see how you guys and, and the other programs um you know handle everything and I know you, you guys got a great situation there at Bismarck High and um it's it's gonna be exciting to watch and, and like you said, God willing, I hope uh I hope we can get there. We you know, day by day and um we'll we'll see where, where that takes us. But uh until then my friend, I appreciate it. Thanks for uh for taking the time and uh chatting with me and and uh we're definitely going to have have to have another one of these conversations i'd like to get dex uh dexter if he's listening to this i'd like to get him on here and and uh and have uh have a debate about some stuff he, he seems, <laughs> hey, that'd be fun. he uh he it, seemed to have it, a lot of uh, long form podcasts
1: i, I, I absolutely I, I love listening to podcasts i'm a podcast junkie i subscribe to i don't know 25 or 30 different ones that like, it's it's just fun to sit down and have those long form conversations and to listen to people have real conversations not say the cliche thing every time and just the one word two sentences that you see in a newspaper to actually hear some conversations so I I appreciate what you do too but yeah so thanks for having me on I gotta
0: gotta have you know and Jordan when we have Dexter on and hopefully that can that can happen one day I gotta get some payback because what Dex won't tell you what I had to tell in, in my conversation with him is I took a uh, took a full speed Dexter Warner down the middle of the lane, uh, charged <laughs> right, right into my <laughs> entire body. It wasn't even my chest. And he sent me back uh, I listened about to 10 the podcast. feet. And, that was good stuff. Uh, I, I told him, you know, I, I just, I think about that often. It's in my nightmares. And I said, you know, I need to get, I need to get somebody that can back me up here and, uh, give it back to him. But until then, my friend, uh, take care, my well wishes to the family and, and to your staff and the entire program there. You guys stay safe. And, uh, We'll, we'll talk soon. All uh, right. Thanks, buddy.